0: Hi there, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast. Today I'm starting a new series that will look at growing as Christians in Jesus Christ. Now the basis of the next few sessions comes out of the first few verses of Romans chapter 5, which we'll get to shortly. The aims of this session is to gain an overview of the process for growth in Christ Jesus. It's to consider what is needed to become a mature Christian, and to look at some of the teachings that establish the foundation for a mature Christian to grow upon. And I expect that this series should take us maybe six or seven weeks. So the first scripture I want to go into is in Romans chapter 5, and I'm going to read from verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in our hope of sharing the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit which has been given to us. This scripture, or these few scriptures, show us that there is a process, and we see that this process is meant to bring us to maturity. And so we see that we begin in, in, in this process with sufferings, but we rejoice in our sufferings. And that's one of the things we need to learn how to do. We need to learn how to rejoice in our sufferings. And we need to do that because we should know that suffering produces endurance, which is the next step in the process. And then moving on from there, endurance produces character. And character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, which has been given to us. So this is the process that I'm going to be looking at. And I'll be looking at each of these steps in the process over the coming weeks. The next scripture that I want to look at comes from Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to read from verse 11. And his gifts were that... Some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness in deceitful wiles." So this is another thing that we see when it comes to growing in Christ Jesus and becoming mature in Jesus Christ, God has given gifts, and these are often referred to as the ministry gifts to the church. And his ministry gifts are that some should be apostles, some prophets, some teachers, some pastors, some evangelists, and so on. And all of these gifts were given for the purpose of ministry and for the purpose of building up, strengthening, and growing the body of Christ. And the purpose of that is that we could come to maturity in Jesus Christ. And as it says there in verse 13, that we should attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And this is our aim, to be transformed in the image of Jesus Christ so that we can stand as he stood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. And it's important, this, so that we can in verse 14 it says, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness in deceitful wiles. And this is one of the challenges that we have in the church today. Because there are many, many doctrines. There are many winds of doctrine in the church today. And there are many new ones coming up all of the time. And most of these are by the cunning of men and by their craftiness, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to gain power over Christians. Now, this is not what the Lord wanted. He doesn't want us to look to man. And that's what these men are trying to do. They want them to look to them. They want people to hold them up as being something important. This is not the way of Christ. We are called to worship God. We are called to worship Jesus Christ. We are called to praise and give glory to them, not to man, because man will lead you astray. And where there is a man who is at the head of the church who uh, is seeking people to worship him, and people do worship many of the leaders in the church today, when they do that, then they are wrong. They are at fault. And we see that they can throw in all kinds of deceitful winds of doctrine by their craftiness, and turn people away from the knowledge of the truth. So it's very important that these ministries, and that's one of the important things. His gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers, as it says in verse 11. But what we need to understand is that these anointings were not done by man. It wasn't some Bible school or a university of theology or a Bible college or something like that that anointed these people or that anoints these people to be pastors or evangelists or prophets or whatever. This anointing comes from God because it says, and his gifts. So these are anointings and these are ministries that are given as gifts by God to his people, to the ones that he wants to do this work so that the rest of the body can be built up and can grow into maturity in Jesus Christ. Now, what are these people going to teach? Well, the next scripture actually gives us the an insight into that, at least into the foundational teachings. And I'm going to start uh, actually in Hebrews chapter 5. And I'm going to read from verse twelve, where it says, "For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of God's word. You need milk, not solid food." Now, the writer of Hebrews is writing to the Hebrews. He's writing to the to the Jews in the Jewish church, and he's saying that by this time you ought to be teachers. So, he's saying they hadn't learnt, they hadn't grown, because he's saying you should have been teachers by now, not. Children in God, not children in Jesus Christ. And he says, you need milk, not solid food. And now this is one of the fundamental teachings, one of the foundational teachings of Christianity is to learn what this milk is, because that's where we need to start. All of the more complex teachings need to have a foundation, a solid foundation on which to grow. And he goes on, and I'm going to continue reading, and he tells us what this foundation is and what these foundational teachings are. Verse 13, he says, For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a child. So these people are not mature in Jesus Christ yet. They are still children. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their faculties trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. And here is the measure of what maturity is all about, the ability to be able to determine what is good and what is evil. Now, if there are false teachings in the church, then the mature Christian should be able to understand and discern and have insight to be able to determine this is a false teaching, this is truth. And that's the important thing. And unfortunately, there are many teachings in the church that are false teachings. They have no basis in the Bible and they should not be taught in the churches because they are not and should never be considered part of Christianity. And there are many of those. And I've written about these in my website. I've written about these in some of the eBooks that I've put out, which you can find on my website, freegiftfromgod.com, under the resources section. But he goes on over into Hebrews chapter 6 now from verse 1, and he says, Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. Now, when you read that, you say, Okay, saying let's leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, which is what he says. But before he does that, he tells us what these elementary doctrines are or the foundational teachings are. I'll just read that again. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go into maturity. And here we see what are these elementary doctrines? He's saying, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, that's the first one. Of faith toward God, that's the second elementary teaching. With instructions about baptism, that's the third one. The laying on of hands, that's the fourth one. The resurrection of the dead, the fifth one. And eternal judgment. Here are the six foundational elementary doctrines of Jesus Christ. I'll just read those three scriptures again. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God with instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And here we see described what the elementary Teachings are. And so, if we are going to become mature in Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that we have these foundational teachings and we know what they are, we know what they mean, we know how they apply, we know how to apply them in our lives. And in these ones, the six teachings, some of these most Christians do quite well. We go to the first one, which is repentance. That's the first one. The foundation of repentance from dead works. Now, All Christians understand repentance, and they're pretty good at that. They may not fully understand what it means, because many think repentance is about uh, asking forgiveness, and it is that, but it's much more, because repentance, the actual Greek word for repentance, means to change your thinking. And so repentance is really about change. It's about changing who you are, changing the way you think. That's what repentance is. And then we go on to the next one about faith toward God, the second of the foundations. And most churches, most Christians, again, do that. They all have a faith. They all believe in Jesus Christ. They all have faith that God allowed Jesus to die and he resurrected him. And this is the basis of our faith. The resurrection is the basis of our faith. And all Christians do that okay. After that, it starts to get a little bit funny because the next one is about instructions about baptisms. Now, baptism is incredibly important. Jesus even said in the Great Commission in uh, Matthew chapter 28, he said to the disciples when he commissioned them to do three things. He said, go out into the world. First, make disciples. Second, baptize them. And third, teach them all that Jesus had taught the disciples. So there are three things in the Great Commission. Make disciples, baptize them, teach them. And it was important enough, baptism was important enough that he told the disciples, this is one of the key things you must do when you go out and make disciples, get them baptised. And I'm not going to explain why here, but it's a crucial foundational teaching. In fact, it was so important that Jesus himself was baptised by John the Baptist. And John recognised that Jesus didn't need baptism because John baptised for repentance. And John knew that Jesus had not sinned. And so he said, Lord, you don't need to do this. But Jesus said, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. So baptism is essential if we are to fulfill all of the requirements of righteousness. That's how important baptism is. And unfortunately, There are many churches where they don't even practice baptism. They don't think it's important or they think it's optional or they do it in a way that is not consistent with the way it was done in the Bible. Baptism is a death and it's meant to be symbolic of burial and resurrection. And yet there are those who just sprinkle water on the head, which is not a burial and resurrection. There are those churches who baptize children And there's nothing in the scripture anywhere that talks about baptizing children. There are those who believe that you cannot be baptized until you are perfect or as close to it as possible, which means you have to be a Christian for like 20, 30, 40, 50 years before you can get to the place where you should be baptized. But that's not what the disciples did. That's not what Jesus said. He said, go out, make disciples, baptize them. The first thing that the disciples did, and you read in Acts when Paul went into various cities, the first thing he did when he found believers was he baptized them. The first thing that Philip did when he met up with the Ethiopian, after he'd explained about Christianity to him and explained about Jesus, the first thing he did was baptize the Ethiopian. So baptism is critical. Baptism is done first. But doing it right and understanding what it's about is very important. But I'm not going to cover that here now. And then it goes on, the laying on of hands. Well, there are some churches that do laying on of hands, but many that don't practice it or they don't understand what it can do. Because one of the ways that we can receive the Holy Spirit is through the laying on of hands. And you see that if you read Acts chapter 8, it talks about Peter and John going down and laying on hands um, and uh, the people receiving the Holy Spirit. If you read Acts chapter 19 verses 1 to 6, we see that Paul found some some disciples in the back country of Ephesus and he uh, baptized them firstly and then he laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit and they spoke with tongues. So there's not a lot of churches that actually even practice laying on of hands. Then the resurrection of the dead, understanding it. Now, I've, I know of ministers that have said, well, you know, we don't know about the resurrection of the dead. And you've got to kind of wonder, well, if you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead, what are you believing? Because Christianity, if there's no resurrection, there's no Christianity because that means Christ is still dead. But we know that Christ is alive and eternal judgment. And so you can see that with those, even those bare minimum uh, things that I've mentioned there, there are things about these foundational teachings that need to be still understood by so many Christians today. So we need to understand these things. So can you see now, just some things to consider, can you see now that there is a process for growth as a Christian, which is in Romans chapter 5? Do you also see that there are these six foundational teachings that are necessary, in fact, they're essential to form that foundational base for growth as a Christian? You can't be mature as a Christian unless that foundation is strong because if that foundation is weak, then when trouble hits you and when the storms of life come against you, then you'll be like the man who built his house on the sand and you'll be washed away. And finally, the Lord has given gifts to the church to bring his people to maturity as Christians. And these are the ministry gifts that I spoke about in Ephesians chapter 4. So just a quick prayer point now. Ask the Lord now to help you understand this process for growth and the path to maturity. Ask him to give you a full insight into the things that lead to positive growth in Jesus Christ. Anyway, that's it for this session. Next time, we'll start looking at the first of the steps in the process from Romans chapter 5, which is suffering. So until next time, this is John from the freegiftfromgod.com podcast signing off, hoping you have a great week ahead and to keep your thoughts and your mind centred on Jesus Christ. God bless.